Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live. Well, we want to welcome everybody on board tonight. Uh... We appreciate your taking time out of your day to come to this time of fellowship. That's really what it, we hope that it is. And tonight is going to be, I think, a real interesting dialogue and, and um, discussion. You see the title is, What what Represents a Modern-Day Pharisee? Who are the modern-day Pharisees? Uh, now I need to bring in Ori. Now I guess that's Ori. That's probably Carol. So she probably wants to stay muted. Yeah. Would that be right, Walt? Yeah, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'll leave Carol. I want to welcome you on board as well. You know, I want to start this program. Maybe this is a little bit of a shock, but uh, uh, maybe uh, everybody thought I was planning on going a little different direction, but. Uh, I want to clear the air right off, and I don't know how this is going to be received, but that's okay. But I'm here to state that of all the people on the call, I'm probably the biggest Pharisee. And the reason that I say that is I realize my own propensity to sin, and I'm in a battle. I'm in a warfare, and so... Um, like the Apostle Paul when he said he was the chiefest of sinners, and anyone that knows me very well can vouchsafe real quickly. Walt can do that. <laughs> he can be my witness. We all get in the flesh. And when we talk about you know, what constitutes a modern-day Pharisee, we can go to the Jews and we can talk about uh, the Pharisees who who tried to put heavy burdens on people and bind people and and you know the outside the tried to make the outside of the cup clean but that said they were inside they were ravening wolves well you know Scripture tells us in regards to ourselves that the the heart is desperately wicked who can know it. And there's many scriptures that talk about, you know, uh, who can who can change a leopard's spots and so on. Now, we know that when we were born again by the Spirit of God, he, there was a change in our desires. Now, I'm going to bring in Guest 5. Uh, welcome, Guest 5. I'm glad to have you aboard. Um, but at the same time, you know, when we look at the passage in Galatians in the first and second chapter of Galatians, when it talks about uh, these these Judaizers who were trying to bring people back into the law service. In other words, that is what. Um, by the way, I want to I want to welcome guest five. 
San Juan. I, I believe that's probably uh, our friend, Dave Baxter, um, Brother Walt. And I just want to welcome you aboard, Brother. Uh, it's good to have you with us tonight. But, you know, uh, Walt, I'd like for you to talk about this a little bit. You know, I remember the first time that you had uh, done the um, study in Galatians with Chris, Christopher, and, it, you know, it really had it had a, a, a major impact. Uh, could you just kind of address that, what kind of went through, what, what, what the process as you uh, started going through that study, what happened? Well, that's that's a you know that's a uh, when people I I don't even like to talk about this I don't like to talk about it but I uh, but I've uh, read I read enough and uh, and I'm not trying to uh, elevate Ed but uh, I mean Ed covers this uh, real well you know in uh, like chapter 27 of Solving Mystery Babylon. But the the, the thing, the, 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 when, you, you know, when people ask me on this particular subject, I mean, I like to just say, I believe every single word in Galatians. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go. Because, because when you, if you, if you read that by yourself, you know, you, 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 you see where, you know, there's only one mediator between man and God, and that's Jesus Christ, and God, and God fulfilled. And this, uh, and uh, in other words, uh, how I how I address this with people, and you know, there's ne- there's only one person that's ever kept the Ten Commandments. That's Jesus Christ. And so when you see that it, it's all God, and and of course. When the Holy, when we have the Holy Spirit, it we 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 want to obey God's laws, but God, but uh, but the law, you know, we are not saved by the law, right? And, uh, right. and Galatians is Galatians is really clear on this, and I and I just uh, I, I that's just you know, of course, and, and I. You know, uh, like I said, it's in it's in chapter twenty seven. Ed covers it in his book Solving Mystery Babylon. It's up on my website. It's called Dispelling Zionism. And you know, and it, this particular subject is a very is a is a very revealing. It's real revealing, and it and it and it uh, it really reveals a Pharisee, 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 the Pharisees. Yeah, you know, one all, of the things. Yeah, well, you we were talking the other day, and one of the things that um, I really appreciate uh, about Ed and his YouTube interviews, the and I forget Ed, who was the gentleman that interviewed you here a while back, and and I don't even think he was a confessing, professing Christian or whatever, but yet I noticed that you were you were able to share the gospel. Uh, and I was blessed by that because, you know, you were really upfront about it. You know, he asked you, you know, what was it that, you know, brought you into this um, 
arena and where you started writing all these books and everything. And and I remember your answer was, well, Lord Jesus Christ is one. <laughs> okay. And uh, Ed, do you want to just uh, talk about that a little bit? I, I just like to say, it, it yeah. is, we're talking about the odd the fellow that interviewed you. That it was really a good interview because he asked the right questions, and that was Odd TV. Yeah, O D O D D is what he goes by. That's his. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, that's what we're referring to. Yeah, he. Uh, you know, there there are a lot of people out there searching, uh, and you know they're. Some are being drawn by the Lord. Others are not. It's not for me to know. It's simply for me to plant the seeds wherever I find that there's soil to plant. It's it's uh, it's up to Jesus Christ to uh, determine whether that seed will germinate. So, I mean, that's, that's our obligation is to spread the gospel, not put our light uh, under a bushel. Um, so... You know, it, it's really, it's really not me. It's Jesus Christ. Well, right. My obedience right. to Him is dri- is driven really by Him. Uh, my whole life is uh, is wrapped around Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it, He's everything, and uh, it's um, you know there there can be no compromise on on the gospel. And and I understand that. And come what may, uh, then I will do my part uh, to spread the gospel. And in, indeed, in the books that I've written, uh, the gospel is uh, presented throughout, uh, so that people can't really uh, pick up the, any of my books without being confronted uh, face on with the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, and salvation comes by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. You know, I was in in your book, again, that Walt was referring to, Solving the Mystery of Babylon the Great. Um, I was finally, um, I, um, Ed, I had loaned the book to Michael Smith, and he had been working through it, and I finally got it back. <laughs> I should have just let him have it, but you know, I wanted to, I wanted to go through it again myself. But anyway, on page three hundred three, you make some really good, you make a really good statement. I'm just going to uh, read a couple. It says, "You see, God has provided salvation for His elect. There are no works that can earn that salvation. It is a free gift from God." And you, in the next, uh, you go on and talk about the the difference between that and the the Catholic doctrine. But on the next paragraph, you say, under the true gospel, say God saves His elect by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Good works are the evidence of faith. Hebrews eleven one through forty. Faith without works is dead. James two fourteen through twenty. Good works are done as a consequence of salvation. They do not earn salvation. God has done all the work. If you believe in Jesus, then you can please God with your good works, which He has foreordained for you to do. You know, you just don't hear that. Uh, you just don't hear the right chronology expressed uh, anymore, and it's good to hear that. And uh, now. Chris has just joined us. I'm going to 
I, I, this is either Chris or Kevin. Yeah, Kevin we'll find yeah. out. Uh, okay, Kevin. Good to, good to have you on board, Kevin. Yeah, hi. And, hi, Ed. And, uh, hey, how are you, yeah. Kevin? Yeah. Kevin, we were just talking, uh, Walt and Ed and myself, about you know what what constitutes modern day Pharisees, and a lot of people that are you know um, really into uh, that are anti Judaism, which we all are. Um, Sometimes we have a tendency to get out of balance in our perspective in that, you know, we all are uh, born and conceived in sin. And, you know, if you look up the term self-righteousness in uh, in any uh, dictionary, you'll find, <laughs> depending on whether you're looking at the adjective or what form of the word, but you'll 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 find words like sanctimonious, um, um, you know, fuddy-duddy, <laughs> or, um, you know, preachy, uh, uh, and this kind of thing. We have to be careful, though, because oftentimes people who are labeled as being pharisaical and self-righteous are those who are standing for doctrine. And so that this is a mixed bag here. In other words, it, we do have to be, we do have to check ourselves, and God is the one that helps us do that and, and preserves us in the faith. But um, I've known some people that could tell you um, the five points of biblical doctrine down, and have everything down. And there was a time in my life when I was. Um, you know, overzealous and not loving in the way I was presenting the truth of the gospel. So we can be we can be right doctrinally in the way we present something and wrong in the spirit that we're conveying it. For sure. Um, yeah. Well, the the if you if you're convinced that a man can be saved by his own free will. That is when people press hard for a decision, and right. if they if they don't understand that salvation is of the Lord, that He is the author and finisher of our faith, then yeah, it's it's easy for somebody to fall into the trap of trying to be a persuader to try to logically present the gospel, not understanding that, in fact, the gospel, the salvation is by revelation, not by right. intellect. Intellect, And right. you, uh, you see that a lot in Baptist churches and so forth, where they press people for decisions. And, uh, but if you understand that salvation is completely, from God, and the only thing that you can do is present the gospel as accurately as possible. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. You're less likely. Yeah, to it, be. it really does. You know, and and I think also um, there is um, also the reality. Uh, in other words, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but since I have uh, the last you know 25 years. 
been on the other side of the aisle, so to speak, and the proclaiming God's sovereignty and so on, I've met a lot of people that are strong in the Reformed perspective, uh, the Protestant perspective, uh, but they ha- they do take on an error. In other words, one of the things that I was reading through um, Luther's book, The Jews and Their Lies, and it really gave me some insight um, because one of the things that he points out in his book is that we as Christians need to be careful that we don't take on the same air that the Jews take on as elect children of God. In other words, he, he says uh, in this book that the Jews you know, like to hold on to their circumcision. as a big, big, He spends a lot of time on circumcision. They also want to hold on to their bloodlines, okay, <laughs> their lineage. And then they also want to hold on to the fact that they are God's chosen people. And I, I'm sure you all have heard the phrase, the chosen frozen. There's, you know, there's, there's an element within the Reformed, uh, and I'm not going to mention any particular denomination, but there's an element of very arrogant, there's an arrogance that people take on that, you know, I'm elect child of God and, you know, I have all these benefits and and and, and God works in lines of generations and and we have covenant children and, and all of this. And it almost sounds like it's it's again back to being a Judaizer. And so look, we have nothing to boast of. We we have no merits of our own. It's all grace. If we, you know, if we had not experienced grace, everyone on this call would have been damned. Okay, and so uh, the Pharisees take on, you know, they don't have to be just Jewish in bloodline to be Pharisaical. And a good example of that has already been pointed out by Ed. If you go to, and I'm not picking on the Southern Baptist churches. I'm just trying to point out their doctrinal positions are that they believe in the free will of man. That is Phariseeism because that is the same thing as being a Judaizer when you say when you excuse me, when you purport that you could do anything okay to bring about any I mean even if it's one percent. If it's not a hundred percent grace, if it's one ninety-nine percent uh, grace and one percent of Larry, then Larry is relying upon something other than grace. <laughs> what do you think, guys? Well, I think, oh, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and and uh, you know, a little leaven works its way through the whole loaf. Uh, you know, Jesus made that point, and I think that's what you're really explaining. Yeah, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, I think the seminary graduates that, that have a uh, free will gospel, they, they're given churches, and then they begin to legislate behavior to their congregation, and like Ed said, they, they force or, or manipulate in whatever way they can to get decisions, and so that 
that's what's happening so much in what we see in organized churches today. Yeah, you know, um, Dave Baxter just points out something that's really right on the mark. He says, mm-hmm. you're being your own Messiah. I mean, that that's basically what yeah. the Jews are saying, that they are their own Messiah, the, the mm-hmm. group, you know. But what, what Dave is pointing out is that when you take the position that you have a part or a hand in it, you're you're you are your own messiah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the pastors are playing the role of the Holy Spirit. They're mm. trying to bring people to Christ when when only the Holy Spirit draws to Christ. So it's a mm. whole different way of preaching. If you're just delivering a message or giving the proclamation of the gospel, that's one thing. But when you try to appeal to someone's intellect and try to reason them into the kingdom and give them the assurance that they are in, which these pastors do with their altar calls, then that's that's very damning, very, very, very destructive. Can you address maybe uh, either Walt or Ed, feel free to jump in on this question, but um, have you seen uh, the other side of the coin where people start laying allegations against those who are standing up for the truth of God's word and, and his the biblical doctrine as being pharisaical, as being self-righteous or sanctimonious or holier than thou or or smug or or moralizing or superior or hypercritical or goody goody. I had one guy tell me, you know, I'm sure glad I'm not a old fuddy-duddy like you. you know? <laughs> uh, have you ever experienced, uh, has anybody else here experienced that? In other words, you're, you, were only, you were only attempting to convey the doctrine of Christ and you were all, all of a sudden labeled as being um, you know, self-righteous. Yeah, yes. or, or that's your opinion. <laughs> they say that's your <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard that a lot. And uh or or oh, you have all the answers. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, you know, um you know you and, and so the, and then they throw it at you. So so everybody's wrong except for you. See that's mm-hmm. another one. Uh and so they don't because what you're saying runs contrary to the the general orthodoxy, okay, mm-hmm. such, such as it is, mm-hmm. uh, at least as they perceive it, then you're viewed as uh, kind of a, on the fringe. It's like a fringe. They don't. It mm-hmm. it, it, it it doesn't compute. And especially when you're talking with somebody right. who does not have the unction of the Holy Spirit. So you know you're you're talking with the lost. There are many many tears in the church. And so they have their system down. They've got it memorized. They've got the rapture down. They've got the seven-year tribulation. They've learned their doctrine. And then you come along and tell them it's bunk? That's not something they want to hear. They've invested years into learning this. Okay, they know it chapter and verse. They've got their, you know, their study Bible. They've read all the, you know, left behind series. They've seen all the movies. 
and now you're telling them that they've wasted their time, and they don't want to. They don't want to hear that. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I was thinking. Uh, I was just kind of doing before this program. I was just kind of doing a little bit of a summary. And you, you guys, sometime I want to do this. It's real. I'm sure maybe you already have, but if you ever get a chance, do a word study on Pharisee or Pharisees. It's really interesting because you see a theme running all the way through, uh, and I think it's best described in uh, one verse uh, that I ran into, uh, and it says that. Um, the Pharisees, uh, I have to find it here, but it says they came unto him, and uh, let me see if I can find it here. Here it is, Matthew twenty-two fifteen. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. <laughs> okay, that's what Ed was talking about. In other words, they have it all down, and if you try to come against it, you know, you're not, it's not, they they operate as a group, okay? They, they, they form councils, they form synods, they form sessions, they form uh, elder committees and deacon committees, and on and on and on it goes, and where it stops, nobody knows. But that that really grabbed me when I read that. They then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I like what Paul, I like what Paul said when he said, "Whatever they seem to be in conference matters not to me." You know? <laughs> yeah. they, they can they can be as ex- expansive as they can be. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The, the defining characteristic of the Pharisees, and uh, as Jesus explained in Matthew chapter twenty-four. If you look at verse 27, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, with an exclamation point. For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all unclean, uh, uncleanness. Now, um, he makes the point that outwardly they appear righteous unto men, but within they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And so that mm-hmm. is the defining characteristics of the Pharisees. So they outwardly appear righteous, but inwardly they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. So that defines the religious leaders of all, all throughout history. I mean, and, and you can, it doesn't matter who you point to. It could be Billy Graham. It could be the Pope. It could be any of the Catholic priests. It could be any of the TV evangelists, okay? Outwardly, they appear unto men to be righteous, but inwardly, as God sees them and as we perceive them, okay, because we do have the unction of the Holy Spirit, they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That He wasn't being redundant. He's making a point. They are hypocrites. So outwardly, they try to appear righteous but really really they are full of sin and iniquity and you know that's the that's the defining characteristic of the pharisee and you know we see that in all of these religions whether it's uh hinduism islam roman catholicism uh, you can go right down the line 
uh, you know, the uh, the Free Will Baptist churches, uh, they're they're hypocrites. These people, these they, they the leadership in the church, they are hypocrites. They are evil, and yet they present themselves outwardly as being so righteous. You know, uh, I, yeah, and I think it's so prevalent amongst those who are. Uh, modern-day evangelicals, you know, because, again, uh, I went by a church today, and it was a, um, a Southern Southern Baptist church, and the, I don't know if they were the deacons or the elders or whatever, and they were out in front putting up the sign, and they were you could tell they were meticulously trying to put up the, the announcement for the Easter egg hunt, you know? <laughs> and... Um, you know, we have Easter coming up, and, oh, I mean, all these, I don't know about where you all are at, but down here in Arkansas and Missouri, I mean, Easter is a big, big day for their for their fund gathering, fundraising, because they have, that's the, the highest attendance day next to, I think it, it, it's right up there with Christmas, <clears throat> and uh, all the kids coming you know, we used to sing a song in your Easter bonnet with all your frills upon it. I will be the the leader in the Easter parade. You know, I mean, all of the uh, Ishtar and and the colored eggs and the Easter egg hunts and everything else. I was thinking here, you know, back to what Ed was saying about the Pharisees and their <clears throat> their motives. Their motives. Mark three six says. The Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him, you know. And we see as we look at the Pharisees today, now maybe Ed can give us, because he's done a lot more research than I have on this, but uh, um, are there today in the in Judaism within the within the rabbinic structure with the rabbis and so on uh can you help us uh are there still uh, are there still pharisees within the within the sect of the Jude, Jewish religion uh, ed well whether I mean, they recognize themselves as the pharisees they are the progeny of the pharisees yeah. So yeah. modern-day Judaism is Phariseeism. So if you research yeah. the doctrines of Judaism, if you read the Talmud, if uh, if you read the Kabbalah, um, and I, I don't recommend it, by the way, um, but in any event, uh, sometimes you have to do certain things. Well, right. I do not recommend reading any of those religious books. They're, they're, they are just abominable. But in any event, you 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 see you understand that modern day Judaism is Phariseeism. That's what it is. So so um, there there really is no distinction uh, between Pharisees of Christ's time and the uh, the rabbis of today. They are Pharisees. Uh, and in fact and indeed, if you look at many religions that are offshoots of Judaism you see the same characteristics in the religious leadership, in particular, Roman Catholicism, okay? You see the Pharisees within the Roman Catholic Church, in their doctrine, in their actions, they are 
Again, the defining characteristics, as Jesus pointed out, that we should look for is that is that outwardly they appear righteous, but inwardly they are hypocrites and full of iniquity. And so all you have to do is judge a tree by its fruit, as Jesus told us to do. So <clears throat> you look at the fruit of the, uh, the modern-day rabbis and, and, the, and, and those in the Roman Catholic Church, to cite two examples, and you will see nothing but abominable sins. Uh, pederasty, as an example, is rampant among the, those two groups of religious leaders. And there is a reason for that, okay? And that is that they are possessed by devils. So when Jesus was talking about the Pharisees and the scribes and saying that they are the children of the devil, that their father is the devil, um, that, again, he was explaining a spiritual reality. And so these religions uh, result in uh, the, the leadership, the rabbis, the Catholic priests, becoming possessed by devils, which drives them to commit sin. Now, they do it in secret. These sins are secret, okay? And also, you have these members of, of very secret groups, like the Freemasons, and I can say Billy Graham is one example, and there are many. There are many uh, famous uh, preachers who are Freemasons. Freemasonry is, is satanic. Uh, the god of Freemasonry is Lucifer, okay? And, uh, you know, Billy Graham was, is a Freemason, uh, and he's possessed by devils. He, and if you listen carefully uh, to the way he preaches, um, he will preach about 80% what you would agree with. It, it, it would sound okay. But it's that little 20% that, as you mentioned um, uh, so aptly, Larry, that little 20%, that little poison that, 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 that ruins the whole loaf, that little leaven of the Pharisees he injects in there, okay? And if you know anything about the Billy Graham Crusades, you'll know that when people came forward in altar calls, they, if they were Jewish, they were given the cards of a local Jewish rabbi. Um, if they were Roman Catholic, they were given cards to the local Roman Catholic church. So basically, when people came forward in the altar call at his crusade, they were sent right back to the heathen religions from which they came. And uh, all through South America, to the... the uh, in particular, the Christian pastors were up in arms against Billy Graham because he was destroying their ministries, sending people back to the Catholic Church. See, right. Well, you know that that's uh, exactly what we see. <clears throat> you know, not only in uh, the televangelistic world, but also in modern evangelical churches all over the United States, and I was thinking about Christ's parable there in the 18th chapter of Luke, and I'd like to just, it's only like four verse, five verses, um, but I think it's uh, apropos for what we're talking about here, because uh, it, it, like Dave Baxter said, if we're, tr if we're trusting in, in ourselves, we are our own Messiah, and I'm speaking to myself, obviously, as well. Uh, it says in verse 9 of chapter 18, Luke, Luke 18, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others, 
Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. I think that's really what we're talking about here is that and we see I mean let's let's just bring it full circle, you know. Um that is very prevalent among even the Jewish faction. They have an attitude that they're superior, that anyone who's not uh in the Jewish faith is um less than a you know, is a beast. Uh, and they do a lot of different kind of works. They give to the poor. They do all these different things, but yet they do it as an outward show to be seen of men, you know. And um, does anyone have any further thoughts about uh, or comments? Walt, what do you think about the fact that uh, uh, I have, Walt probably knows who I'm talking about. I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, there was a fellow we knew who had a... uh, He came out of the Southern Baptist Church and used to be a a deacon in the Southern Baptist Church. And he shared with us that he, you know, he was steeped in, in these, in works and stuff. And and he wanted to make sure he said it was all based on money. Everything was based on money. And anyway, he knew uh, Rob. I, I see if I can get his name correctly. Robinson, James Robinson. And you probably have heard of that name. He's very well known throughout the United States. He has an international ministry. And anyway, James Robinson came down to where he lived and gave their church or whatever it may it was a and and anyway this person also gave Robinson of the gift for his ministry a huge amount of money um and so there's a lot of connections to you know follow the money trail again and it's it's basically just to be seen of men and Walt do you want to comment on this particular passage Well, uh, well, I, I mean, I, you know, in, the, in your past, in past uh, studies, you know, you brought up Second Thessalonians two eleven, and uh, you know, uh, and that is for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie, and uh, I mean that's what I've uh, witnessed within myself here the last you know six seven months. It's just. Uh, I feel like I, uh, you know, I, I said this to you, you and uh, Christopher the other day that I feel like I'm playing catch up, and you quickly, both of you, said, "Well, we're all playing catch up," <laughs> yeah. and I, I even brought this up to, um, 
to Carol today where she called me and I and she she gave the exact same answer that you and Christopher said, you know, we're all we're all uh catching we're all catching up. And because, uh, uh you you know what isn't this isn't what the bottom line is isn't what the, the greater delusion that we see, isn't it coming from re- rejecting the true gospel? The grace yes. gospel and, and and the fact that, uh, you know, you take a lot of the evangelical world and you don't have to mention names, but they, they, they actually, re- you know, John Hagee teaches they actually reject the Messiah. And, uh, you know, uh, and how, how do you see through this? You know, um, how do you see this Pharisee, for, you know, all this Phariseeism that we see? And, and you know, I don't know. You you don't have to go there, Larry. But you know, you said something the other day about your your dad back in 1967. You asked your father, uh, what was it, the question? You asked your father the question. You know. Uh, about, you know, that your dad made a comment similar that, you know, that what was going on in Israel, that, the, you know, that it wasn't God. Well, it was, it was right. Yeah, it, it was right at that 67 war, that seven day war, you know, and of course, everybody was, you know, was was just raving because the church that my mother went to was very much um, Zionist, pro-Zionist, pro-state of Israel. And my dad sat me down and he said, hey, Larry, I want to just tell you that, of course, it was strange because there was five other people in the room. My mom was there, my brother was there, my sister was there, and I was there, and my dad was there. <clears throat> and he said, don't, don't buy into all of this stuff that they're telling you up there at the church about the Israel being the holy land and and the state of Israel and and all of this stuff he said that, let me tell you something the 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 Jews are not holy people and they're not chosen of God and you know how I know they're not chosen of God and I said my mom's getting really upset you know he said, the reason I know they're not chosen of God is because they've rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. <laughs> he said, if they were chosen of God, they would embrace Christ and everything he taught. You know. And and uh, back to what you were saying, Walt, too, is that this, um, this whole thing about, you know, I was thinking about that passage in Acts 13.48, he said, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. They didn't reject Christ. They they literally, of course, we know that the reason they embraced it, like Ed said earlier, it was revealed to them. They were quickened by the Holy Spirit. It was revealed to them from above, you know. Um. Yeah, Ed, uh, why don't you kind of continue down what you were talking about uh, when when we brought Walt in. So in other words, what you were saying is that in Judaism, uh, there is a hierarchy, and the people at the top 
have their little underlings that it's almost like a form of popery, is it not? I mean, or maybe I should say the popery is is more like I think you described it that way. You said, "Hey, uh, popery is Judaism." I mean, in other words, uh, they have their 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 rabbis that are at the top, and then it trickles down from there, and it's all a works based uh, system. Oh yeah, yeah. It it uh, well, that's the. It, it is from the Pharisees that we get the uh, the Arminian gospel. I mean, that's the source. Um, you know, if you want to if you want to follow it back to its root, it goes right back to Babylon. It goes back to the Garden of Eden, where the serpent promised, you know, Eve, you will become as God. You see, so if you can dictate, if you can dictate the terms of your salvation to God, that puts you in control. Stop and think about how, how, how that is so antithetical to the sovereignty of God. If man of his free will can dictate the contract terms for his own salvation, how about that? So in other (laughs) words, in other words, you come to God and you say, okay, I believe in you. Now, hand it over. I want my salvation. That's basically what, what it is, you know. Yeah, it and, is. And when, That's exactly when you right. Talk, and when you talk to those people, okay, just listen carefully to the words they use when describing salvation. So they will ask, and I hear this all the time, when did you get saved? So they talk about it in terms of, going to get something. The person gets saved. Like you're going to, to the refrigerator to get milk. Well, <laughs> That's no. That's good. I like that. It, you know, yeah, but it, the, their, language, their language reveals them for what they are. And this is an Arminian gospel. You don't get saved. No. God reaches down and he saves you. The issue is, when did Jesus Christ save you? Not when did you get saved. The emphasis on being on the, the person and their own free will. Uh, this well, is really that, that's, a, that's, a, that's totally that's really good. That's in, in total uh, contradistinction to two verses that come to my mind. Second Thessalonians two thirteen says, "We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation." through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And then the other one, Second Timothy 1, nine, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Yeah. And then, you know, and then, so, and then John chapter 1, okay, makes it yeah. absolutely clear, and I want to, I want to read it so it's accurate. I'm I'm uh, John chapter one verse thirteen. Okay, uh, and I'll read from verse twelve to lead into it. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on in his name, on his name, excuse me, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Now he says will twice here to in 
to, 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 to distinguish that it's not right, of the will right. of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Slams the door shut on Arminianism. That passage alone indicts Arminianism as a false religion. That one passage. I don't know. And, and, and they, they'll read, okay, they will read verse 12, okay, um, but they will, I don't, they just avoid verse 13 like a, like a plague. It, 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 That's because right. it is an indictment against their, their theology. And oh, it is yeah. so yeah. clear, passage after passage, you just named two of them. There are so many passages. It's the theme in the Bible. And, you know, when I was uh, uh, saved by the grace of God, uh, you know, I would read this Bible and I would be going to a Baptist church. Now, I did not know. I thought the Baptist church was the opposite end of the scale from Roman Catholicism. Because right, I came right. out of Roman Catholicism. And at, at, once I was saved, okay, I'm reading the Bible, and within, after reading the first gospel uh, of Matthew, I was, it was right there. I mean, it, it was clear to me that I saw the Pharisees in the Roman Catholic priests. I mean, it was so clear. Right, right. So right away, I knew that that was a church of idolatry, a ch- you know, the church of Babylon. So I thought, you know, the Baptist church is at the other end of the scale. Well, it's not at all. It's not at all. It's only a little <laughs> shading away. Yeah, they yes. dispense with many, many of the physical uh, idols, but I will tell you, I have been in Baptist churches that do have physical idols. I've seen them on their pianos. Uh, it's really sad, particularly during Christmas time when they have the manger scene. Those are idols. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's one, ba- I'm not going to mention which one it is, but there is a Baptist church in the United States, and out in the front of it, they have a statue of Billy Graham. <laughs> okay. How about that? But, um, hey, I think I want to just validate, uh, is the other California that joined us, is that Mark or is that Chris? Chris, are you with us? Okay. Um, uh, anyway, we we have two Californians now, Kevin and then someone else from California. And if it's Chris, uh, feel free to uh, to join with us, Chris. But um, no, this is something that really uh, I think is at the crux of what we're trying to say tonight regarding modern day Phariseeism. Um, I see it. Um, you know, and I, I think that we we have also um, the command by Paul. Why why does he why does he have so many exhortations and commands? Like for an example, he says, "Examine yourself that you're in the faith." Why does he say things like, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Not that we can do it. Uh, the fear and trembling is that we need to stay in the Word of God and embrace the doctrines that we're talking about tonight. Not to to go into, you know, in other words, not to go by Schofield reference Bibles, not to go by, uh, uh, you know, people who are promoting uh, false versions of the Bible, not to embrace uh, sacramentalism. You know, there's a whole 
group of churches out there that are really getting into this. Uh, we talked about this here here a while back, and I, and I know that that Ed's done a lot of research on this this Hebrew movement. This, you know, there's, there's people. You know, I've seen some of the things you've sent me, Ed, about people now are even saying that if you take on the name of Christ, it's it's heretical. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't I just it's hard to believe that people but see if the if their purpose I guess if their foundation is wrong everything's going to be wrong. Can you address a little bit how in the world can we have a whole movement now that's coming against the name of Jesus? I think what we're seeing is the very beginnings of a church movement where they will outwardly worship Lucifer and reject Jesus Christ. And this Hebrew roots movement is the genesis of that, for lack of a better term. It is the beginning. It It is the way that is pushing forward. And it's going to be the Arminian churches at the forefront because Arminianism is is a uh, it's a type of Judaism it's a type of Phariseeism I, I don't care how you cut it when you when you look at these doctrines they are being injected into the church um, and in, in, in fact uh, Laud who was executed by the Queen for committing treason against Britain for trying to undermine the uh, the Church of England uh, made a point that in one of his uh, no, I'm sorry a a, a a Jesuit writing to Laud stated that he, they had injected into the Church of England that sovereign drug of Arminianism. Yeah, you see, yeah. it is a spiritual drug, and this spiritual drug comes with legions of devils. And these legions of devils then possess these pastors, okay, who are unsaved and inculcated in a heathen doctrine. Understand, people have to understand, Judaism is the worship of the devil. Their their God is Satan, okay? And uh, Jesus explains that very clearly, and he's not using hyperbole when he says that their father is the devil. Um, if you and if you read what they teach, it everything. I don't care what the what the sect is of Judaism. Every sect, even if they don't agree with one another and they war against one another and they persecute one another, they all agree on one thing. That is the rejection of Jesus Christ. And in fact, Judaism is a religion of hate because it is founded. Uh, I shouldn't say founded. It is based upon a hatred of Jesus Christ. Um, In fact, when they celebrate Passover, they announce a curse against Jesus Christ. And when they celebrate Passover, they celebrate it using wine. Now, why would they do that? Wine is not something that was in the Bible that is mentioned as something that would be used during the celebration of Passover. Well, the reason they use wine is they use it to mock Christ. It is a celebration, a mockery of Jesus Christ. And they announce curses during Passover um, of Jesus Christ and his followers. Now, understand this. when they, they, The only way they can manifest their persecution of Jesus Christ is by persecuting the church. 
recall that when Paul was knocked to the ground and blinded by Jesus Christ, what did he tell Paul? What did he say to him? Why dost thou persecutest me? Okay. In other words, he was persecuting the church. That's the body of Christ. And so he was persecuting Christ. So they're, they're coming against the church because we are the, the manifestation of Christ here on earth. We have Christ in us. We are in Christ. And the devil knows that. See? Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, um, Toronto pointed out, Toronto West pointed out, in that same passage that I pointed out earlier in Acts uh, 13, 48, uh, previously in 45, uh, this was after the whole city had come together to hear the word of God, uh, 45, Acts 13, 45. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. And that's what you're saying today. They're, they're, they, they hate Christ, and, you know, that's one of the one of the comforting things for us uh, who are, are, are trusting Christ is that we, uh, we love to study his word. We love to talk about these things. And we know that that desire doesn't come from our flesh. In other words, the spirit is the one who gives us uh, the desire to, to, to go and to, to study and to, and to even be on a call like this where where we're discussing these things, you know, and I, I was just thinking about um, in, today, bringing a fast forward about these modern day Pharisees. Uh, <laughs> you know, can you imagine if if and I'm just using this as an example because Michael used it uh, uh, yesterday. If if Joe Osteen were given a script, for an example, of of verses, and was told to do a sermon on, for an example, the uh, uh, foreordination and predestination of God's people, and he began to read through it, not knowing anything about, just reading through it, probably by the time he got through the script, you know, the church would probably be empty. Okay, point. in other words, you know, because people don't, like you were saying, Ed and Walt um, and and even Kevin earlier, is that this is something that is spiritually revealed. It's not, and it also, it's almost like water and oil. It doesn't mix, does it? No. It, it, there, there, you, well, you, there is no way to mix it. If there's only a way to pollute it. The gospel right. can be, but and once the gospel polluted, it is no longer the gospel. So it's either pure, or it's mm-hmm. not the gospel. Very That's simply, right. very right. simply. Okay, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm always, I always like to, when when people, you know, uh, mention a doctrine, I, I like to go right back to the Bible, and and you know. You must always go back to the Bible. And see, that's the problem with the churches today. People sit there, okay, and first of all, they have Bibles that are, that are already corrupted by Satan. So if they're not using the King James, they don't have God's Word. If the pastor right. does not recognize what, what God's Word is in the English language, and he's not using a King James, what's the point of even being there, okay? 
And they sit there like lumps on a log as the minister will say things that are just wrong. I mean, it, it's the most unbelievable thing. These pastors have, uh, they, 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 are, they graduate, and I, I love the term you use, the cemeteries. They graduate from these cemeteries, and really they, they, they are, they are uh, they're spiritually dead. They're good businessmen, okay? They can, they can walk, they can, they can uh, uh, talk the talk, uh, but they can't walk the walk. And they sound good. Uh, and I can tell you, the, these services are the same thing. First 20 minutes or so, maybe 30, singing, okay? And then he does 20 or 30 minutes of talking. It's just there's no contribution by the kings and priests who are supposed to be the body of Christ. They don't add anything. There's just everyone, you know, you hear people say amen, okay, but there's more, you know, people have more than amen in their vocabulary. They can ask questions. They can, why don't they, call, I mean, think about this. These pastors, they can't be right every time, and I know they're not because I've sat there and listened to them, and it's, you know, and I, I confess that I'm as guilty as anybody that people should raise their hand and say, well, what about this? What I do is I would, I would wait till after the service, and I want to bring things to the pastor's attention. And most of the time, it's not well-received. They don't Well, you know, that, it, it reminds me, I go on Facebook a lot, and I like to contribute whenever I can. But I, somebody will post a, a posting of some saying, you know, some religious saying or some quoting something out of Scripture. And so many people will say, amen, 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 to, to the comment. And then I'll say something, and then right away, I, I'm the oddball. I'm, I'm, somebody will type back to me, well, why is that? Or, you know, where do you get that idea? Or something. But I'm, I'm just giving them, because like in Isaiah, in uh, 820, I believe, it says if they don't speak according to this word, there's no light in them. And and uh-huh. so what happens, these preachers today and these, these people on the Internet, they say things that are nice, but they, they, it's what they don't say that really lets you know where they're at. And, and they, they yeah. just, they, they don't speak according to the scriptures. It doesn't flow with what the Bible says. You know what I mean? No, you're yeah, absolutely right. It's, yeah. And one thing, you know, you know brothers, know. if I could interject here. You hi, talk, Chris. Uh, uh, hi, hi, Chris. Hi. Hey, hi, Chris. Cal. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hi, brothers. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, uh. And by uh, the way, do you have any more, uh. Brother, uh mentioned I can't remember what was it that Chris brought up last week that just was amazing and I can't remember well, what it was uh, Hebrews about the uh, begotten oh, oh that was Hebrews 5 yes yes anyway uh, anyway was, brother that was really I just, something I just wanted to mention to you guys that uh, I think it was you brother Larry that mentioned that the churches are 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 emptying, you know, as a result. Uh, I got to tell you, the church is the church is empty yeah, on a curve. Yeah. It's just empty. It's just empty. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'll tell you, you you'll find, and I I'm seeing this, and you'll see this a lot too, as you as you speak to people and as you read things on the internet, as you talk to people, you'll have people sign mm-hmm. off with a greeting, you know. Uh, glory to Yeshua, 
Uh, mm. That's a tip-off <laughs> of, of, of where they're coming from, that they've already been, they've already been um, inculcated into right. this, this Hebrew roots movement. And this Hebrew roots yeah, they've movement... Been de- they've been desensitized, brother. Yeah. Mm. That's the, the Hebrew that's right. roots movement leads right to the, the worship of Lucifer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I mean, Dave, Baxter, Dave Baxter points out... And, Dave, you're going to have to call in sometime too, brother. We would love to have your uh, your input, but because I've been looking at your comments and they're right on target. A couple comments that Dave says is the purpose is dualism. You know, a pastors function like the high priest of Judaism. Yeah, <laughs> you don't think about it. That's they sure they right. it's like Ed was saying. You know, I've often said there. We're up here, you're down there. And I've, I've often said the further back the pulpit gets and the higher it gets, the further away from communica- uh, equal communication with the flock. Okay? Yeah. And, and this, this right. whole thing is this high priest mentality that we're up right. here, you're down here, never the twain shall meet. And, you know, there's also an error about, I love, by the way, Kevin, I want to, you made my, you didn't even know it, but you, you really made my day last time in the talk shoot because you were, you were bringing up something. Oh, they were, you were talking about baptism and the baptism of the Lord and so on. And, and you said, I don't really think that had anything to do with H2O. I mean, I, I just cracked up because I'd never heard it that way before. I mean, Okay. You know, <laughs> I like that. I like that Water. because yeah. people put so much emphasis on sacramentalism. And now I want to I want to welcome guest six who's joined us. I don't know who you are, but you're you're welcome. But um, one of the thing I wanted to to say, and that is that Chris, you said we were talking one time. I, this was not in a talk show, but you we were just talking on the phone and. And you said something that really kind of, man, it just, the first time you said it, I thought, wow, can it really be that bad? I mean, but what Chris said is, I, I don't, I just, I don't, I, don't, I can't go to church anymore. I can't go to brick and mortar, you know? Yeah, it, it, it is that bad. It is that bad. It's, you yeah. know, and, 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 you know, I, you know, you, you, you want to, you know, now I, I, I just want to give a, a little air of hope here. <laughs> I don't want to be all negative. In other words, uh, there is hope for some Pharisees, okay, because I, I was one. We all were at one time Pharisees. But, you know, in John 3, 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered, so we know this passage. And what I find is that uh, Jesus was uh, very, very kind to, to this Pharisee. You know, I mean, he goes on in Nicodemus in verse 9 says, you know how can these things be? Okay, how can these things be? And Jesus said unto him, "Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things?" Notice how Jesus just asked him questions. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting because he goes on, he says, I told you earthly things and you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? So again, back to what Ed said about the the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that the truth was revealed to Nicodemus because we see later on that he was there at the tomb, you know, with uh, and, and I, I believe that he came to a saving. Uh, that's my own personal uh, opinion. So I, I believe that there are Pharisees that um, have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. What do you guys think? Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 The um I'm trying to yes. I mean yeah, the, look, the, the Lord did it to Saul of Tarsus, you know. Yes. A Pharisee, a Pharisee. So yeah. I love I love the the account of of Saul's conversion, like Ed was saying earlier, because when he struck him down and he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul immediately said, Lord, who art thou? <laughs> he knew he was yeah. the Lord. Yeah. How did he know it was that, That's revelation right there. Yeah. In, a, in a twinkling of the eye, it was revealed to him. It was God Almighty that has now struck him down. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he yeah, said, Paul, Paul get up and was... Christ, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, get up, it will be told thee what thou must do. (laughs) He had no choice in the matter, did he? Right. And then people talk about resistible, you know, that there's not such a thing as irresistible grace. If that isn't irresistible grace, I don't know what it is. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't it good that God takes the helm, that Christ takes the helm of the ship of salvation? better than us, because he did it with uh, Jonah, he did it with Paul, he did it with, he did it with us. Yes. And and Lydia, in the book of Acts. Yes. He opened her heart. It it doesn't say she opened her heart, but he opened it. Nobody would would open their own heart. No, no one can. Yeah. If they just read the scriptures and let the scriptures teach them, then they, they would have the answer to all these impressions that they're getting from their false ch- churches. You know. Well, well, the, the problem is they start out without the scripture. They start out with the New International yeah. Version or the New yeah. American Standard Version or exactly. even the New King James Version. And so right. they start with a polluted gospel, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, you know... Uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word. Not just some of them, not most of them, okay? Every word of God. So if if you have a church where people are getting a polluted word, then you're going to get polluted doctrine. Well, that's exactly right. You know, in Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10, two of my favorite verses, I mean, I I well, I got so many, but remember the former things of old. For I am God, there is none else. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. You know? Isn't that and satisfying? Isn't that satisfying? Yes, it is. To hear it that? is. To know that Understand it that? is finished. Yes. 
You know, mm-hmm. it is yeah. finished. You know? Yeah. Um, and and a lot of people think that you know you know that they're a cooperative agent with God. You know, I, I even heard a sermon one time about that that there are three votes. God has a vote, and Satan has a vote, and you cast the deciding vote. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Yeah. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I got out of um, Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips, you know, Larry's dad is 89 years old. And when he made this statement, I made in 1967, when Larry asked him the question, how can you say that, Dad? How can you say that they're not the chosen people? It's really the simplicity of his answer. And I've shared this with Dave. I said, you know, it's, I mean... I was sitting there waiting for the answer. It is so simple. And because he answered it, the reason why he knows that they're not the chosen people is because they rejected Christ. They rejected the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not, only, not only that, is, uh, Mr. Phillips uh, realized it in today. He, he understood. He, and and, and how, where did Mr. Phillips get his understanding? Mr. Phillips, he got his understanding from God's word. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, know. Uh, uh, you made a good point by mentioning earlier uh, uh, John Hagee. Or not John Hagee. Is that his name, John Hagee? Hagee. Like, uh, what's Hagee's first name? John. Is it John? John Hagee. Okay. Uh, yeah, he uh, he made the point that uh, everybody else, whether Buddhist or doesn't matter with the religion, needs to believe in Jesus to be saved. But he said, not the Jews. The Jews Uh, already have a covenant with God that has never been replaced by Christianity. That's what what John Hagee says. Now, that is Zionism. That is Christian. If you, I mean, calling it Christian Zionism is like calling it Christian Satanism, but uh, it's, it's an oxymoron. But that's We're what's happening in Christian churches. These these supposed Christian churches that have become Zionists, they in fact they they're clear about it. They don't try to they don't try to convert Jews. They believe that the Jews are already saved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by virtue yeah. of the promises that they think God gave to the Jews. Yeah, and, and like Luther says in this, Jews and their lies. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I don't agree with everything Luther says in here, but one of the things that he is really, really powerful on, and kind of like Dave, um, you know, said here uh, in his comments that these pastors are functioning like high priests of Judaism. Uh, you know, I mean... Luther has been criticized a lot about this book. Twenty years ago, I uh, there was another publication floating around in the United States, and it was um, it was in English, "The Jews and Their Lies," and I I was able to get my hands on it and read it. And I mean, it just uh, at that time I was thinking, "Wow!" I mean, this is of course I knew enough because of my father. I knew what the truth was, but um you know it's 
here I'm going to read just one little blip here. This is on page 119 of this book, The Jews and Their Lives. We are now speaking about. I'm spe- I'm looking at the last paragraph of on page 119. We are now speaking about the fact that they cannot tolerate having us as co-heirs in the kingdom of the Messiah, and that he is our chimda, as the prophets abundantly attest. What does God say about this? He says that he will give the chimna, or the Messiah, to the Gentiles, and that their obedience shall be pleasing to him, as Jacob affirms in Genesis 49, together with all the prophets. And he says that he will oppose the Pharisee of the Jews, most strenuously rejecting them and choosing and accepting the Gentiles, even though the latter are not of the noble blood of the fathers or circumcised saints. For thus saith Hosea 2.23, And I will say to them which are, were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. But the, to the Jew, he says, <laughs> And he he goes on, and and I I could continue on, but see the thing that Luther does in this book is he shows the fact that the Jew just because they're Jews doesn't mean anything as it relates to their spiritual condition, and I can prove that. You know, we see in Romans nine in the same womb. In the same womb, there were twins. They were both Jews. They were Jacob and and Esau. And the children not having done any good or evil, while yet in their mother's womb, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, that's what we're talking about, Phariseeism, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, you know, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And so, you know, there's more than just the reality of, and this is something that the Pharisees, now when I when I speak of modern-day Phariseeism, I'm speaking of the same thing that Ed was alluding to as it relates to this, this modern-day medicine of Arminianism. Okay, because the Pharisees will absolutely rail on you when you ever mention election, and if you particularly mention reprobation. In other words, if you if you mention if you quote the scripture that says that you know that that he has vessels of honor and vessels to dishonor, when you go down that road. Be ready to be, I'll use a Walter Stickle phrase, be ready to be thrown under the bus, okay? Yeah, I want to welcome guest seven. I don't know who you are, but uh, we welcome you on on the program as well. Ed, you were making a comment, I think, before I jumped in there. No, I was just just parroting what Walt had said earlier. uh, Yeah. And... You know, the fact that John Hagee, he is sort of up front, but there, he is he is the, the figurehead, so to speak, of the Zionist uh, Christian movement. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I will tell you that uh, there are so many churches. In fact, all of these pre-tribulation rapture churches, and, and which is most of the Baptist churches, are Zionist churches. 
Right. I that's mean, that's exactly right. That's part yeah, that's, well, of their theology. Yeah, that's good. This is a this is a quote from John Hagee. He says, "Since Jesus refused by word and deed to claim to be the Messiah, how can the Jew be blamed for rejecting what was never offered?" That's a quote. Yeah, from John that Hagee. was. There's a video. He did that to promote his new book, and as soon yeah. as as soon as people got hold of that, he took it off the air. <laughs> but but the book is out there. It's out there. He published it. It's it's. I mean, wow. It, yeah, it's, but that's the kind it's of called the the defense of Israel. Yeah, that's that's the book he wrote. Yeah. You know, we yeah, can't totally. call Isaiah. We can't call Isaiah or his father Abraham Jews. Uh, Judah was just one of the twelve patriarchs that that was the offspring of uh, of uh, Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel. You know, so we got to be careful with you know calling them Jews when they're you know even they weren't even typological Jews yet until until the promise of the. Through the through the, the patriarchs. Now that's an interesting that's an interesting point you make, Chris, because um, you know I, I let me ask you this: Is it only the tribe of Judah that are the Jews, or is it all of the progeny of Jacob? Because I studied that one time and I came to the conclusion that it wasn't just Judah, but it was all twelve tribes who were referred to as Jews. And I think that it seems to be a theme in the Bible, and I don't know why, because it does make sense that only Judah would be the Jews. But as I look at it, um, I think it refers to all 12 tribes. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Um, well, Paul, but... Paul, would, Paul would hold your position on that, Ed, because in the ninth chapter of Romans, again, he is expressing his sorrow for the Jews, and it's not just for Judah, okay, because he makes it synonymous with the physical Israelites. And if you, if you, it's really interesting because he says, uh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and so on. And then as he goes down through there, he kind of goes through the discussion we're having. He says, Whose are the fathers of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came? Is all God blessed forever? Not as of the. And he says, For they are not all Israelites which are of Israel. Now he's drawing a distinction between physical Israel or the Jews. That's why I would tend to agree with what you're saying, Ed, and not just Judah, and spiritual Israel. Okay, and then as he goes on down through, he. Now it's really quite interesting uh going back to your your position on on the uh on John Hagee and, and his whole presupposition he uses the 11th chapter of Romans to try to he, he takes a, a scripture totally out of context in the 7th verse of the 11th chapter of Romans what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for but the election hath obtained it and the rest were blinded. And he says that uh, that that represents all the Jews. <laughs> okay, that's how, out of context he takes it. 
that they were right. the election obtained the election obtained this for them and the rest. But um, that's a really interesting study. I've done that study too, and I know that Chris has looked at that. And and I, I it's not something to get real conflictual over. But I I think that Paul would tend to say that. And the problem is when you get in discussion about who are, who are Jews and who are not. Um, you know, I think it's um, this is my opinion, and I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I stand corrected, Chris. But the issue is, you know, are we a physical Jew or a spiritual Jew? That's the question. Well, brother, you that's know, everything. We, that that question yeah. you just answered—that's everything. Yeah. yeah. The spirituality of 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 whoever the true Jew is, as right. opposed to. The rest, I mean, well, you've made the, the distinction. You are the Israel of God. And right. if you're a spiritual Jew, you're the Israel of God. So Israel in the spiritual realm includes, is, is a, you're a spiritual Jew. So Israel, all of Israel would be also fleshly Jews as well. I mean, there'd be a corollary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would say that's exactly. And, and I also think that... Um, you know, uh, it's uh, quite interesting. I knew a group in Kansas City that were, uh, they called themselves Messianic Jews. Of course, I knew the rabbi, I knew there he called himself a rabbi, and and he absolutely uh, did not like me at all because um, I, 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 Visited his church, and after his church, I asked him specifically, uh, you know, uh, if he believed in the doctrine of election and predestination, and and I asked him how he dealt with the ninth chapter of Romans. If he could explain that, give me his exposition of the ninth chapter of Romans, rather than uh. explain it. Rather than explain it and give me his exposition, you know what he said? I don't want to talk to you or have anything to do with you because I can already tell you're into replacement theology. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that, that's like calling you a hyper-Calvinist without even yeah. knowing what it means. Oh, yeah. 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 And see, you know, it really, if you that's the theology. Fulfillment. That's right. replacement. But uh, what do we know? Well, also, you know, here's the thing. I, I, I just, the only thing I said to him is, you know what? I said, uh, we are under a new and better covenant. Okay? I said, Hebrews talks about that. There's one greater than Moses here. You know? I said, if you're still, I said, you, you, you say you believe in Yeshua and the Messiah and all of that, and Jesus, and you're a Messianic Jew, uh, why haven't you embraced the new covenant, the new and better covenant? Why are you still clinging to Moses? And uh, But anyway, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But that goes back to fair, our, our subject about, you know, circumcision. Availeth nothing. I I saw a guy the other day on YouTube. He's, he was he was he was proclaimed Jewish, whether whatever that means. 
He said he was a Jew, but he was trying to be funny. I don't know if he was a comedian. I don't know what he what he is, but uh, he 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 said he said I'm Jewish, and I just found out I've never been circumcised. Oh and no! Said, I am. He said I am <laughs> really upset, and he says. I'm got to call my mom right now on YouTube. I want everybody here on YouTube to be my witness. So he calls his mom up, and he said, "He's now he this this fellow's about probably oh 24, and yeah, I know it was all a big facade, but he calls his mom. His mom answers the phone. He says, "Mom, please tell me I've been circumcised." She goes, "No, we we opted out of circumcision for you." He goes, "I'm damned. I'm going to uh-huh. hell." <laughs> but I thought that was quite interesting, you know, because uh, that's kind of where what was going on there in Galatians, you know. Well, you know, it's funny that you mention that, and it, this also illustrates how the Jews have twisted God's command, even as they perform it, into a satanic um, yeah. pedophilia, because they have turned that ceremony into a, a an abominable act of child molestation where they engage in fellatio uh, during the uh, circumcision ceremony. It has been a major health issue in New York uh, where these children have come down with syphilis and gonorrhea uh, from the circumcision because as part of the circumcision, the frist would... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to be grabbed. I'm, I'm, I won't say any more, but it's just disgusting. Let me just, it, if it weren't for a religious ceremony, these, these rabbis would be thrown into jail. It's a crime mm. in every state to do what they do. Wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. I, I want to welcome you, guests. You know, you know, you're right. You're right. The crime is mayhem. That's yeah, I want to. I mean, Ed, Ed, be, be uh, more specific, Ed. Yeah, if you want. Yeah. I mean, all I can think of is mayhem. If there's a crime on the books, I, I can only think of mayhem. Uh, it, it, can you enlighten us further? I mean, well, let's let's look at the definition of mayhem. Uh, you've made a good point here. Let's see. I don't know what their what their statute is in the New York books, but uh, that's all I can think of. If there's a crime involved in in uh, circumcising the the foreskin of a, of a newborn, well, actually on the eighth day, the reason it's the eighth day. Well, it's it's not it's not so much the fact of the circumcision; it's the way they do it. Um, yeah. Uh, You can read my book. I I don't really want to get into it, but the bottom line is what they're doing is they're engaging in a perverted sexual act. It's a perversion, what they do. They engage in fellatio with the child, and it's an abominable act. So they have taken God's command, and they have twisted it and made it satanic. They do that with everything. It's a satanic religion. This is an abomination. Wow. And those are just the traditions derived from the Talmud that tells them to, that tells them these things are so. It's from the Babylonian Talmud. It comes from Babylon, okay? Remember, Judaism, you have to understand this, all heathen religions are phallic religions. 
And that's why you have a, a tremendous amount of sexual sin within the religious leadership of these phallic religions, okay? I don't care if it's Islam, Judaism, Roman Catholicism, you can go right down the line, okay? You study them, you dig down, it's, it's really disturbing when you find out what it is that they're, these are, go back to ancient times, they're, they're, they have origins in, in uh, phallic worship and other abominable things. Wow. Hey, you know, there's a couple of, there, there's a, just, Chris, just before you, before you, yeah, I want to ask, you, I wanna ask you know, Chris, <laughs> okay, the, go ahead. The, yeah, I want to ask Chris, why the eighth day? The eighth day is the reasoning that God gave them that day because the blood, God in all his wisdom knows that the blood coagulates best on the eighth day. Okay, interesting. I just want to do some housekeeping here because we're kind of getting a little bit behind. I want to welcome guest seven and guest eight. And Brother Andrew is guest seven. And let's continue to keep him in, in our prayers because he Hi, is going through, he's going through mayhem right now uh, and vocationally. There, there's a lot, a lot of uh, things he's going through. Also, I want to... Um, uh, just there was a question that was asked, and I'm going to just throw it out to you guys. Um, who is uh, Psalm two one through three referring to? Uh, Michael Evans, Doctor Michael Evans of the Jerusalem Prayer Team, says it's the state of Israel. Okay, uh, so you guys might want to look at that now. I think we all know who it's really referring to, and then also. Finally, uh, guess five makes a really good point because he says that, uh, uh, you know, he wants to make a point here that uh, Jeremiah 4.4, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, take away the foreskins of your heart, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. And um, so circumcision, we know, is... The, the issue now there's a whole group of people now that say that uh, um, you know that that baptism replaces circumcision okay and uh, you know I just I just totally and by the way uh, Calvin uh, kind of drew that same analysis I don't I totally disagree with Calvin on that because um uh, I believe that baptism, according to Scripture, is just a sign of a, of a good conscience toward God. Uh, and I don't want to get off on that, but uh, circumcision doesn't avail anything, and, and I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. So um, anyway, and uh, I do believe Lisa is on to answer Louise's question because I think she's the only central Minnesota that we would have on here. So I'll shut up now. But does anybody have an answer to the question, who is Psalm 2, 1 through 3, referring to Dr. Michael Evans of the Jerusalem Prayer Team says it's the state of Israel? Well, let me, I was just reading it. You're saying chapter 2, <laughs> verses 1 through 7? Yeah, Psalm 2, 1 through 3. Well, they're okay. 
Why well, do the heathen rage? And the uh, I think that's. Is he referring to who the who the heathen are? Is he referring to who the heathen are? Yeah. Well, all you got all you have to do is it, it's very it's very simple. Go to go to Acts chapter four, and you'll see that it is in fact a reference uh, to the Jews, because if you look at Acts chapter four, um, let's go there. You'll see that it was after the Jews told the apostles to stop preaching in his name. Um, let's see. We're talking, let's see. Um, okay, in verse 18, they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or to teach in the name of Jesus. Okay, and then they, and, and Peter and John answered and said, whether it be right in the sight of God, okay. And then they went, and they went to the company, and they heard, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord after they had heard that they were admonished by the Jewish leaders not to speak about Jesus. And it said, why do the heathen rage? And this, this is what they said. They said, uh, they said they lifted up their voice to God. This is verse 24 of chapter 4 of Acts. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in, in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Okay, for the truth against this, thy holy child Jesus, thou hast anointed both Herod, Pontius Pilate, uh, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So that is a reference to the to the Jews and all of the heathen that were in league with the Jews. The Jews are heathen. See, this is the thing. Yeah. So that's it seems yeah. to me that yeah, it is I a think, reference to the Jews. Yeah, I think uh, you know, it's uh, it more specifically, um, you know, he uh this this I don't know who Dr. Michael Evans is, but he says it's more specifically uh the state of Israel. Uh I, I would say it could include the state of Israel. It it's not it's not only the state of Israel, it's it's all I would say it like this, it's all unbelieving Jews, right? Well look, verse verse twenty seven verse twenty seven makes it clear. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. Well, yeah. that's the heathen. That's the heathen. We're talking it's all Israel. unbelievers, We're really. We're talking the Gentiles. Yeah. Okay. So the heathen are everybody who are not part of God's church. Right, right. I, I would, I, yeah, I, I would say it's a little bit more inclusive than what, uh, than just saying. Oh, so he limits state. it. He limits it solely to Israel, only Israel. To the state of Israel. <laughs> oh, the state of only the state of Israel. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't. I, I just. I think yeah. a, a thought came to my mind. There's a there's a verse that says, "Ask of me, and I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance." 
It, yeah. I think I think we understand correctly that heathen there is the nations and the unbeliever, whether it be of the Jew or the Gentile. But out of that out of that totality of humankind, God has chosen a remnant of the heathen to give to Jesus as an inheritance. Right. That, right. Yeah, you know, if there's now, a what, parallel what passage, passage was that? Too. I, I want to. That, that you. I think you made a good point. What what passage was that you just cited? Well, I'd have to find it. it. It's ask of me. It's probably in the book of Acts, if I'm thinking right. But I don't. Well, know he's quoting. He's quoting the Psalms there. Um, yeah. Uh, I can probably go find. It. Also, there's a parallel passage similar to that in in okay. Psalm 46, okay. uh, which talk about in verse six, uh, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. Um, and let's see. I'll I'll find, try to find that other passage you're asking about. Hebrews. It could be in Hebrews. Okay. Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. It says Psalm two eight. Ask me, and I shall give yeah. you the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the right. earth for thy possession. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that's in the New Testament as well, right? Yeah. Uh, he refers back to that, and I'm trying to find that, but I'm not doing too good right now. I've got too many different irons in the fire. Um, now, yeah. If we, if we find it in the Psalms, then that would tell us uh, where in the New Testament it, it says it. You know the Psalms are 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 the are the thoughts and words of our dear Savior through His life, His earthly ministry, delivered to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which was David who penned most of these, Asab a few, and uh, I don't know. Were there other writers? I don't know. Yeah, but we're grateful for it, for them. Amen. Yeah, it's, um, you know, one of the things that's been amazing, uh, you know, to me in studying uh, through the Gospels is so many times, um, like Kevin was alluding to, Christ quotes from the Psalms. Not, I mean, he quotes a lot of the prophets, too, but he quotes a lot out of the Psalms, you know, mm. and... I find that uh really interesting. Um that he go you know, he goes back to that and let's see, Psalm two eight, ask me and I that would be in John seventeen. Um verse verses four and five, Kevin. John seventeen Verses four and five. That's what, at least, that's what my cross reference shows me. I haven't gone back there yet. To see no, I've if that's seen, I've, I'm, I'm there right now. Mine said the same thing, but I don't see that as as a direct cross reference. Uh, Seventeen oh, okay. says, "I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work that Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was." 
Oh, that's interesting. Sometimes they are not as clear. Well, moving on, let's let's we'll, we'll do our homework. <laughs> yeah. And I, one of the things I really value, Ed, is you hold us to the fire on making sure that we you, we 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 validate everything we say with scripture because that's important and I I'm as guilty as anyone I I I know scripture because I've studied it and oftentimes I'll quote it and not cite the exact verse but I think that's a good habit to get into especially because we, you can just we can we can go off on a and it it's not mainly it's not for us it's for everybody else you know so they can they can go and do their homework and validate what we're saying is 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 backed up by the bible and so on and so um i want to thank everybody for coming on tonight we've been on well i've been on an hour and 58 minutes and um we probably everybody most most have been on over an hour and 25 minutes but um I want to just kind of bring this down to a conclusion, and that is that uh, we know that uh, there's there's nothing uh, in and of ourselves that has any merit. Uh, there's no, there's it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but God that showeth mercy. And we can go back to Ephesians two eight uh, as a as a validation for our our trust and faith in this free gift that God has given us. And it, it, it has nothing to do uh, outside of the sole work of Christ. Um, and so I'm going to read those two passages um, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And I might as well go on to the next one. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So um, the Pharisees um, think that we should just, you know, uh, take on all of these different, whether it's, Creeds and synods and sessions and sacramentalism and Sabbatarianism and and um, whatever it is that is apart from grace. Have you ever thought about this? Um, I heard a, a man say one time that idolatry, you know, uh, idolatry leads to homosexuality. Well, if you think about it, idolatry leads to a lot of things. Um, Ed mentioned uh, earlier in the program that (laughs) Southern Baptists have graven images around Christmas time. They have the manger seats. I I was driving down uh, in Rogers, Arkansas during Christmas uh, season this uh, last Christmas one of the largest Southern Baptist churches had a huge Christmas tree in their foyer with all kind of presents under it, you know. I'm sure they had their, you know, and we, I'm not trying to get off on a tangent, but what we're saying is if we're trusting in any, and I know there are people that, um, you know, they 
they say, well, I, that cross doesn't mean anything that I've got around my neck. I just, uh, you know, I've got an aunt, and she, she's she got a picture of Jesus up in her house, you know. And I say, why are you doing that? I mean, th- doesn't the Scripture say that you're not supposed to make any any likeness of anything? And why do you do that? Oh, it just, look, it just reminds me of Jesus. I said, well, first of all, the picture that you have of Jesus up is the Jesus that I serve because I don't believe Jesus is a long-haired, blue, a blonde, blue-eyed guy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but anyway, um, but anyway, that's just that's for another subject. But I want to thank everybody. I'm going to just kind of go down, and uh, I think I'm going to start with Walt. Uh, Walt made some really good points about. Um, you know, the fact that he believes everything in Galatians, okay? And if you believe everything in Galatians, if you uphold the doctrine that Paul taught, uh, you're on pretty solid ground. Walt, do you have any final comments? <clears throat> well, I uh, may come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> okay. Well, Walt, I want to, first of all, I want to thank you for being on with us tonight. And yeah, you are in our prayers. We know you've got a, a, a major um, medical situation coming up on the 26th. And uh, you've been in our thoughts and prayers. And we're really glad you could be with us tonight. And uh, thank you for uh, for joining us. Well, I, I thank thank you, Larry. I mean, I enjoyed the fellowship. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's uh, I I got a question for Ed, but I don't I don't want to ask it now because it's not it it uh, it'd be off subject. But uh, yeah, oh, I know what I wanted to just close with is um, you know Ed mentioned earlier in the, in the broadcast, you know, he talks about the Kabbalah and the Talmud and doesn't advise anybody to read it or, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't either. It's, 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 it's some of the most blasphemous read writings uh, on Christ that there is. But another thing I want to do, sometimes when we go, when, when we trace back in this history, I, I mean, I don't have the, the eschatology and stuff, but in other words, w- you know what I see today, what we have today. I mean, you know, we have we have God's word, and the difference between Mr. Phillips, who's 89, and made the statement 50 years ago, that knew right from the get-go what was going on, and he could see the writing on the wall with Zionism as as Mr. Phillips, you know, had a good understanding of the gospel. And, uh, and when you have a, an understanding, uh, you know, the, the simplicity of the gospel and you realize that, you know, that modern day Judaism, you know, is uh, says it right on their own writings. If you if you would buy, a, you know, they have a, a series of books of the Talmud, you know, just like an encyclopedia. Right on the cover, you know, it might be volume one, volume two, or what, you know, but it says Babylonian Talmud. They they are not bashful. It's not under the table. What, you know, and 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 when we look at we look back now, and we look at John Hagee and all the Zionists, 
in this in how they took the evangelicals over with Zionists. They're 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 you know you know with his own omission, John Hagee is a rabbi. He's a Jew. He's a Zionist. You know, and then you know I I'll just close with this too. I it's really interesting here this last uh, month or maybe the last couple of weeks I've been doing a lot more reading on on Russian history and it's it's amazing why are we so different why is russia why are we so different than than uh than uh than russia it's a, it's a it's a real you know it's it's a, a real interesting uh, you know and in, anyway too i just uh i i uh, this last ever since i uh, it actually was not ed henry it wasn't Ed Henry. It was Dave and I. Or you know, when we we started understanding heliocentrism and flat Earth a little bit, and uh, that we uh, understood that that they're teaching the Kabbalah. You know, you know, and then then I met Ed Henry. You know, and uh, and Ed Henry, you know, in his books he makes uh, all the all the connections and. Anyway, I'm going to leave off here with just a little question, and you can answer it when you have when you say your last piece, uh, Ed. But uh, the word the word egregor is a very interesting word. The more you understand the word, you know, and in, in, in modern times, so you just might make a little short comment on on that word when you sign off. That's all I got to say. Well, Walt, we really appreciate you. And, and by the way, Walt, Walt is the one that introduced me to that word. I'd never, you know, here I'm a college graduate and had never heard of it. And then after I started doing some studying, it was very, very interesting. Um, uh, I want to go now to Kevin. Kevin, do you have any final comments before we close out tonight on this uh, topic about modern day Pharisees? I think Kevin had to maybe had to check out. What about? Uh, are you there, Kevin? No. What about uh, Chris, Christopher? Well, brothers, I can only say that uh, the Pharisees, you know, scope are. You know, we we have the second coming of the Pharisees through the false gospels that abound today. You know, I would call the Catholic Church and the whole Arminian point of view the second coming of the Pharisees that Christ reprimanded and told them it's all the traditions of men that you follow as opposed to what, what, our Lord's word has to say. Mm. So I think I could pretty much, uh, I think we can get a lot of food for thought from that description. Uh, Pharisaical uh, stuff, as it were, just stuff. They try to impose on us, these churches, you know. I have nothing, I have no problem with a church. It's not pharisaical that wants to view and judge us according to the law 
as opposed to the free grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The problem is it's it's a common problem that pervades the society, which is you know believe it and uh, you know it's like. Jesus said, uh, uh, do what the Pharisees say. They've got the law right, but don't do what they do because the hypocrites, I'm paraphrasing, will not even attempt to move one part of the block with their little finger. They won't, you know, they'll have you do their work for them, and they'll use that in accordance with their, their oversight, which is blind leaders of the blind into the ditch. Well, thank you, Chris. You're right on. And um, now, you know, feel free, you know, Ed, to conclude your thoughts on this topic. And then, of course, we want to hear um, your your thoughts on, on uh, uh, Gregor. And, and by the way, Dave Baxter posted uh, what I think is a real good workable definition uh, of that, and I'll read that, and then I'm going to turn it over to Ed. An egregore is an occult or hidden agenda purposefully created and forcefully implemented to modify the established spiritual aspirations and ideal. In other words, a society creating a new collective group mind. (laughs) Ed, go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what an egregore is. It is an autonomous god of the collective group mind. So it is their deity and it influences the thoughts of a group of people. And in the case of Judaism, it is the Jewish people. And symbolic of that egregore is the serpent, the holy serpent, which symbolizes the Jewish people with the head of the serpent being the hierarchy of the Jews and the people being the body of the serpent following their lead. So it's a, uh, it is part and parcel of Judaism where the Jewish people are their own savior and they are the egregore, the God, uh, they are their own God and they do view themselves as divine. Well, yeah. you know, I see, I see in our modern society this egregore can be applied in so many factions. For an example, Egregore is very active in the educational system. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a hidden, uh, it's it's a uh, agenda. You know, well, look at the heliocentric model. Uh, yeah. There was a whole yeah. group of people that were were unified together in that model, and then I think of the whole. Um, psychological world out there and the metaphysical world. And then, of course, I was thinking about the Masonic Lodge and their impact. I've got a friend of mine, I guess he still considers himself to be a friend. He's, we've had some dialogue over this, you know, he doesn't want to hear any more of my thoughts about uh, dispensation. You know, he, he's a dispensationalist, which to me is another egregore. Okay, that's another because look at how it started. I mean, we see the whole influence, you know, all the way back. And then, but uh, could you kind of maybe talk about this, uh, the whole socialism, the whole 
you know, you mentioned one time, Ed, that um, which I didn't understand this. I'm I'm really just learning uh, so much uh, from reading and your books and stuff. But see, I never I never fully understood the political implications uh, when you said that communism is Judaism. Uh, you know, that just shocked me. I thought, oh, wow, yeah. how, you know, when you said that, I and then when you start talking about the Bolshevik re- revolution and so on, I, you know, because I, I took I took history at the University of Kansas, you know, but look, that was Egregore again. Uh, yes. Talk talk about this influence of of this collective mind over all of society. Yes. The um Basically, communism is the uh, the Jews come to power. It is Judaism with political power over a country. If you look mm-hmm. at a communist country, uh, when the Jew, when the communists come to power, it is really the Jews that have come to power. They immediately persecute the church. They immediately begin the executions. Estimates have been when Mao Zedong took over in China that the uh, there were 60 million people uh, mm. executed in in uh, wow. a like number in Russia in the Ukraine alone I believe the number was 20 to 30 million people okay uh, you're and we're dealing with torture uh, terrible uh, torture it, abominable acts these people enjoyed. Uh, the bringing misery and torture on the population. It is satanic. So it is, uh, communism is a manifestation of Judaism. So when you see things happening in our government, which which uh, are socialist in nature, socialism is simply another form of communism. And social communism is just socialism in a hurry. That's all. Okay. So communism is socialist taking power by force. Socialism is a creeping communism. If you want to see a pure communist country, look at Israel. In the kibbutzim is pure communism. So the Jewish kibbutzim in Israel, and this is a dirty secret that they don't want people to know. People talk about they're the only democracy in the Middle East. Well, democracy, well, understand this. We were not intended to have a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. And democracies, uh, and so when when you look at Israel as a model, it's a communist model. It is communism. All you have to do is look at what they're doing to the Palestinians. It is one large prison camp. And they are running the show. They are the prison guards. That's what happens when communism comes to power. Now, the very, I, the very structure of communism causes them to collapse. And so communism requires a host upon which to live. So they, if the United States were to cut off support for Israel, they would, they would collapse tomorrow. Uh, if you look at history, the United States has supported financially Russia, and today even 
China, okay? If it was not for the United States, those countries would collapse. They would collapse into anarchy, okay? They, they need a host in order to feed, okay, because they, their destruction is sown by their, very, by their very structure. They cannot exist without someone to, some country to feed off of, and the United States is the host, see? Wow. That's, that's, you know, so we're, the question that I have is, and I'm not really sure how to ask it, but how far along has the United States progressed to Judaism? Wow. (laughs) Well, all you have to do, all, all you have to do is go to a church. I mean, look at our president. Our president, uh, we have not had, I don't think, a president who has not been completely on board with the Zionists. You cannot, you cannot elect a president if he's not Zionist. There's just no way. Mm. Mm. So the, you know, and, and so you, you have to understand that taken complete policy. You have to understand the nature of witchcraft to understand what's happening in the United States. The government, people think that they, when, they, when they elect a president, in some way they're going to change things. It's, it's like a student body election. The real power is the money power, and the money power exists through witchcraft and deception. The language of witch, witchcraft is deception. And so we have a paper money system um, and you know the it's, it, it is it is a massive deception. The, the government itself right now is insolvent. It's just hanging on by a thread. And I believe they brought Trump in because they weren't ready yet for the collapse, the financial collapse of the United States. Because they need us. They're, 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 you, Israel, you believe Israel it? Israel is a parasite. Is a parasite nation. They need a host to feed. So if they lose the United States, then they will lose their host. So, hey Ed, I mean I've heard I've read the history of the guy that's the that is um, purported to have written the product, protocols of the learned elders of Zion, uh, and I've heard so many different ideas purported, and probably a lot of it is counter information. I'm sure. Uh, however, if you read through the uh, protocols, it appears that they're just right on the money. Uh, I think even Ford said that. Um, my question is, you know, um, do you see the protocol learned elders of Zion? Uh, I mean, where are we at in the? <laughs> I mean, we are. In fact, guest five says that the protocol three today. I may tell you that our goal is now only a few steps off. There remains a small space to cross in the whole long path we have. Trodden is ready now to close its cycle of the symbolic snake by which we symbolize our people when this ring closes all the states of Europe. And then he posts, um, will, will be enveloped in this, in this snake. Um, be locked in its coil as a powerful vice. And I know that uh, Tex Mars in this latest book on on the serpent, the Holy Serpent of the Jews, would pretty much concur with that. 
Uh, how do you, uh, again, and I don't want to go on too far, but I think we need to conclude always reminding all of our listeners that uh, God is uh, totally sovereign over all everything that happens. If we believe that, in other words, <laughs> there are no maverick molecules with God. God has orchestrated. God is sovereign over evil. A lot of people don't want to talk about the reality that God, you know, they want to, they want to have two gods. They want to have the God of Satan, and then they want to have the, the God of the Bible, and they want to make them in this contest. There is no contest with God. God is is you know and and I if I have anything to say <laughs> as a final thing and then I'm going to shut up and 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 we're going to kind of come to an end on this but uh God's purpose includes all things future as well as all things present and um you know I mean we could go into scriptures that uh show that you know in Daniel 2:28 there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Okay, uh, we see in uh, um, we see that even God's purposes are in fortuitous events. Uh, we've got a lot of scriptures that show that God is present in all of the fortuitous events that happen. Um, we, you know, Michael Smith up there, Joplin said, you know, if God so chose, or if He has chosen, uh, the United States could be a third world government on the drop of a hat. Well, I think we probably already are, but um, the point is, is that we have kind of, um, I'll quote quote Walt a little bit on this. We've kind of been, we've kind of been spoiled. We've kind of gone along, and we've never really had to, uh, you know, to be in the. But you know what? That could change, and um, and so anyway, I want to just conclude this. Read this one little section. We read it many times, but it's a, it's an absolute fact. Isaiah forty. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in a scale, and the hills in a balance? Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, taught him? With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted him less than nothing, and vanity. And so, um, let us be reminded that God is in control of this whole mess. <laughs> okay. Uh, does anybody have any any other uh, Ed? Do you have any final uh, comments before we uh, conclude? And I want to thank everybody for coming on tonight. Um, I want to thank you know guests four, five, six, seven, eight, Toronto West, Ed, Carol, Lisa, Louise, uh, Kevin, Chris, everybody that's joined us tonight. 
Ed, do you have any final comments? And Toronto West too. Thank you. Nope, I'm I'm uh, uh, pretty much finished. Thank you. This has been very much enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for all of your information, and uh, it sure was causes us to see uh, kind of uh, that God is very actively at work in. It's like a modern-day Pharaoh. He's raising up to show his power. So bless you all, and I'm going to conclude this call, and we'll look forward to seeing you all next Monday night. Uh, I, I do have one thing oh, to say. I'd like yes. to add this about the so-called learned, the elders of the learned, learned elders of Zion, as it were. Uh, the Zionists will tell you that it's a fraud, okay? Now, Ed, you're an attorney. You can't have a fraud of anything that begins fraudulently. So, so the, the, uh, the letters to the earned, you know, the, the uh, elders of, of Zion, that's a factual rendition. That's factual. Well, actually, they they're try a little to more clever than that. They, 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 they cover call it, it a forgery. Yeah, exactly. And, and, so what and, they're doing and, is they, they've called it a fraud, but, you, brother, you can't have a fraud of something that's, that's, that's not actual to begin with. Well, you, follow yeah, the, they, they, you follow the law precept here? Yeah, they, what they've done is they call it a forgery. And exactly. you can't they have a forgery, forgery unless you. you have the um, the authentic version. So what they're saying is this is inauthentic, that it's a yeah. forgery, it's a reproduction. <laughs> well, it's a reproduction, yeah, but they're passing it. You don't pass off a forgery unless it looks exactly like the authentic item. So Thank basically, you. they're admitting by their denial that it is real. They're very Thank cleverly you. saying, yes, this is ours, but it's a forgery of what we originally wrote. It looks exactly like it, though, Steve. That's, that's, that's the subtle, that's the subtle uh, admission that they're making in their deception. It's a non-denial sure. denial. So that's in all, interesting. So, so in all scope, so in all scope, uh, the letters of the earned elders of Zion is is a is a factual document. It's real, and they try to cover well, it would, like you just said accept, by calling it a fraud. My or, or, my um, uh, explanation of their denial. So yes, they would they would deny it. They would say it's not true. Okay, but the, the problem is it it does reveal what is happening and what has happened throughout history. As Henry Ford made the case. He said, I, 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 don't, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. All, what I can tell you is what reveals is happening today. So he saw before his very eyes the things that, that were planned out in the protocols of the learning elders of Zion happening before our very eyes and even today. Exactly. So, Brother, what you've done is you've substantiated my point, and they've tried to haze over this, but it's, it's an actual uh, document, and and they try yeah, to you know, the issue by saying that it's a that it's a forgery. Well, you can't make a, again. You can't make a forgery of something that isn't real to begin with, right? Well, you know, Dave, Dave Baxter has a, a, a real close uh, to what you're saying. Both of you guys, he says, uh, 
a forgery is merely an unauthorized copy of an original. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. And of course, you know, if it's unauthorized, uh, then of course they're not going to. Ex- they're, they're, you know. Um, anyway, uh, that's uh, really interesting. That's been an ongoing uh, d- dialogue down through the years. And uh, but, like you said, Chris, and like Ed said, and like Henry Ford said, if you if you read the document, everything's come to fruition. So. Uh, <laughs> it's credible from that standpoint, that's for sure. So, well, yeah, I mean, if, right, if, guys, you find well, a tre- if, you, if you find a treasure map and the map leads you to the treasure, when you find the treasure, you don't say, oh, that dumb old map, that thing was no good. No, you say, hey, it's accurate. And that's the same with the protocols of Learn of Elder Zion. If it leads you to the treasure, it leads you to what they're talking about, it's got to be true. Yeah, yeah, Dave's asked two questions. He said, in the Soviet Union, was a crime punishable by being shot on site for a forgery to be shot for a fake, you know? Yeah. So that's the whole thing. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead, and you guys have a great evening, and I'm going to go ahead and end the call, and we'll talk uh, talk next week. All right. Good All night. Right. Good night. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.